Honesty, why honesty? Well, honesty is authenticity. Honesty is purity. Honesty is sincerity. Honesty is humility. Honesty is integrity. And all these things are kind of wrapped around this idea of how important integrity is to God. So simply put then, the man or woman after God's own heart must be a man or woman that loves about integrity. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons, and you've joined us for the middle of our series on the life of David, looking at this great Old Testament character, seeing the patterns and what God has taught him in his life. We're seeing a lot of things that God can place in our lives as well. And today, Robbie, it well, we find David back in another crisis with an important decision. Really important decision, which is really good and defined his integrity uh, before the Lord. And I just, like, let me ask you that question today. Uh, here, listeners, we're so glad that you're with us right now. Is What does integrity mean to you? Um, is it something that's important to you? How would you define integrity? Do you believe you are a person of integrity? Um, do you know how much integrity means to the Lord? That's really the heart of what we're going to hear today. God cares so much about integrity because fundamentally, we would define integrity as living one life. That means you are the person at home as the person you are at work as the person you are at church. Think of how often we're tempted to try to put on a face or to pretend in some facade before someone else or to grab our children's hands as we walk into church. We've been fighting all morning long. It's, it's that kind of stuff that the Lord really wants to speak to us today. We're going to see in David's life, man, we're going to find out what he's really made of as he has the opportunity to kill Saul, but doesn't because of his integrity before the Lord. So again, are you a man or woman of integrity? Well, let's find out today and let's see how God wants to teach us, encourage us, and change us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ, who was obviously the perfect example of integrity. Again, we're so glad you're with us. May you be blessed today. All right. Now may God lead us as we go through his word together. 1 Samuel 24, again, the integrity of David. Here again is our teacher, Pastor Robbie. Please um, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24 is where we are today, and our sermon title um, is uh, The Integrity of David. The Integrity of David. So just as we begin, a couple of questions for you. We think of that word, obviously, integrity is where we're going today. Um, What does integrity uh, mean to you? How would you define integrity? Integrity. The second question I want to ask you, um, is integrity important to you? Just be honest right now. You're here. You know, God knows everything. He sees your hearts, whatever. Walking in here today, would you? is integrity something you'd be thinking about? Is that something that you would value? Would you be able to define what it is? And as you answer those questions, please know this truth. Um, um, please know how much integrity matters to God. Uh, God cares so much about integrity in the lives of the men and women that he has regenerated, that he has saved, that he has caused to be born um, again. Uh, One of the ways we know this for sure, um, the greatest sermon ever given, do you know what it was? The greatest sermon ever given was 
Um, yes, it wasn't last week's sermon, I can promise you that, all right? Uh, the greatest sermon ever given was the Sermon on the Mount, and of course, that was given by, <coughs> yes, Jesus, that's right, just like good, good children in Sunday school, every answer is, ends with Jesus, right? But Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. Now, remember how the Sermon of the Mount began, the greatest sermon ever, okay? Uh, Jesus is giving it, and the Sermon on the Mount begins with this, um, with this string of characteristics called the... Beatitudes, yes. The Beatitudes are the blessings of God or blessed are those, happy are those. And God begins to unpack, Jesus begins to unpack being God on earth on the reality of who God works in. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed you know, are those who trust you. Blessed are those, it just goes on. It's awesome. And every listing of these, poor in spirit, whatever, all of these lists, if you think about it, they're all uh, dripping with character. Uh, God begins the most important sermon ever given with a list of character, the men and women, the substance of the people that God works within. All of those, you could say, too, are filled with integrity uh, in themselves. Us are those who are persecuted. Integrity is, is everywhere within that. God cares so much about integrity. And in many ways, that's how God defines it for us within his word as well. But I just want to gather a few different points of input on integrity here. So let's just see how the dictionary defines integrity right now. Integrity, and this can be helpful on some level. Um, adherence to moral and ethical principles. Yes, I like this part. Soundness of moral character. The person of integrity has a sound, there's a healthy sense of moral character. And notice the word that the dictionary, this is good because it's very biblical, um, honesty. Honesty, why honesty? Well, honesty is authenticity. Honesty is purity. Honesty is sincerity. Honesty is humility. Honesty is integrity. And all these things are kind of wrapped around this idea of how important integrity is to God. So simply put then, the man or woman after God's own heart must be a man or woman that loves about integrity. There's no way you can divide those two. You're truly after God's heart then you are a man or woman after integrity as well. I remember when I was a brand new believer, I was fascinated with Integrity. I talked about it so much. Some of my friends used to call me, um, they kind of used to mock me. They said, you know, they call me Captain I, Captain Integrity. Not because I was, but because I talked about it so much. I think it was because um, my contrast of my life before Christ was so lacking in integrity. And then you come to Christ and you see everything that's going on and you're like, wow, like this life can be lived in this way. Like we can actually live a life in the pursuit of Christ where he's working in me and, and taking away my sin and, and, and transformation is same. Just, it fascinated me. So I opened up God's word for the, really the first time. I grew up with God's word, but I didn't know it. I was dead. I was spiritually dead. When you come spiritually alive and you open this up, you're like, whoa! And God illuminates his word in your heart and you see it for the first, you know what I'm talking about? It's so exciting. And you read it and you're blown away. And I remember lives like Joseph. And I was fascinated with guys like Joseph, the integrity with which he like Potiphar's wife and stuff. And he's like, no, nope, no, I'm not gonna do it. Runs away and oh man. And then like guys like Moses in the, in the midst of all the temptation, the criticism of the Israelites. And the Bible calls Moses the meekest man on earth, the most humble man on earth. And like, really? Wow, that's awesome. And guys like Paul in the New Testament. And I count all things as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. How does he do that? How does he do Oh man, the, the life of Christ in him. And then fascinated with guys, of course, like David too. And you're seeing David. And what I love about all these guys and women in scripture, they're not perfect men and women. 
They're real men and women, though, and they are godly men and women. They are passionate men and women. Listen, they are character-driven, every single one. Character at the core of who they are in their Lord. Integrity-filled men and women. And so I was fascinated with this as a, a young believer, and I were remember clinging to an early definition that I heard of integrity. And I, I think I heard it from Charles Swindoll. I'm not totally sure, but if, if it was him, he didn't come up with it the first time. I know that too as well. But this definition I loved of integrity was this. Integrity is really, it's living one life. It's living one, meaning you are who you are, where you are, and no matter how you are, you are living one life. It's the consistency. It's the sincerity. It's the integrity of the individual seeking the Lord. The wonder that in Psalm 78, speaking of David, it says, with integrity of heart, David shepherded God's people. This is why Oswald Sanders says, listen to this, the spiritual leader should be a person of unchallengeable morality. The spiritual leader should be a person of unchallengeable morality. Integrity matters to God. It was President Eisenhower many years ago. He said this with deep with deep. As you listen to this quote, just, just compare it to the current moral landscape of our day. He said this with deep conviction. I deeply believe that every occupant of the White House has one profound duty to the nation, to exert moral leadership. The President of the United States should stand visible and uncompromising for what is right and decent in government, in the business community, in the private lives of the citizens. For decency is one of the main pillars of a sound civilization. And then he ends with this. Any moral nation invites its own ruin. Any moral nation invites its own ruin. And of course, any moral church invites its own ruin. Any moral marriage invites its own ruin. Any moral life, individual invites its own ruin. That's why integrity, again, is so important. It's the details of life. It's the consistency of who we are with Christ in us as we seek to live. So we might sit here today and we're like, man, yeah, our world, man, it's going down the tubes. It seems that way. And we're such a small group of people here. But listen, listen, how does the Lord work through his church? Excuse me, how does God build his kingdom? It's one life at a time. And as each of us make a decision one at a time for the Lord and integrity, that's where the power is lived. This is what God and who God works through. Is it any wonder there how much God cares about integrity then the Lord would dismiss Saul? Is it any wonder then how much God loves integrity that he would promote David? Because a man after his own heart is a man of integrity. So I love wisdom moments in our church. Wisdom knocks on the door or wisdom calls the phones for you. It's wisdom. wisdom. Don't you love, I love wisdom moments. And the wisdom, he's calling again. Wisdom's calling. And uh, wisdom says, um, listen, hey, hey, phone's for you. Listen up, listen up. Integrity matters to God. So if you're wise, you're like, I gotta, I gotta, sorry, I, I gotta take this call. And I take the call and I'm like, man, integrity really, really matters to the Lord. And that's when we know we're going in wisdom and then we will be beginning to grow in integrity. So this is what we examined from David's life today. We have our big idea in front of us. The main point is clearly laid out. We know where we're going. We're all on the same page. So I want to get started. Go Lord. Let's do that. We're unpacking integrity. Point number one is this. We start here. Integrity is a relentless battle. So it's one of those things, man, before you walk in, make sure you know what you're walking into. 
The pursuit of integrity in Christ, it will be a relentless battle. The reality of integrity is not for the spiritually soft. Look at 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 and 2. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. This is the actual place in Gedi. You can go there today. It probably looks very, very, very much like 3,000 years ago when David was there. Very strategic place to hide for David. Um, in the right spot, you could see for hundreds of miles and see who's coming. There was water in the midst of all these rocks. There was vegetation and great caves that you could hide in for your own protection. So a very smart place for David to be. And what we learn as David goes to Engedi in these first two verses, we see a massive contrast of integrity between two people. Of course, Saul and David. Now, think about it. Previous to chapter 24, of course, is chapter 23. And in chapter 23, Saul was chasing David to what? To, to hug David. No, 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 to kill David, right? He wants to kill David. And chapter 23 says that Saul is gaining ground on David and his men. And it says that David's on one side of the mountain and Saul's on the other side of the mountain. And then Saul's really getting close. And then in the midst of this, as Saul gets really, really close, he's about to overtake David to kill him. All of a sudden, a messenger shows up and tells Saul, Saul, the Philistines are attacking and Saul's forced to turn around, go back and face the Philistines and to conquer this land. Now, there's a little tangent right here, but I, I just can't resist in showing you because it's so helpful with some life, uh, life application and I want to bless you with that as well. So here's the tangent I want to take. Notice David is in the will of God again. David is simply living a life of integrity, but in God's will, God allows David to be pushed to the brink of his own stress, of testing of faith in the Lord. I mean, you're David, and Saul is gaining momentum with, with thousands of men. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit stressed out, fair. And you're like, oh man, my dad, what's gonna happen right now? And notice this though, in the will of God, God allows David to be pushed to the edge of faith. And the last moment God comes through and under his sovereignty, the Philistines attack and Saul's forced to turn around. So this happens in David's life perfectly in God's will. Do you not think at times it will happen in your life too? That God might allow you to be pushed to the brink of a testing of your faith, that he might find out what is in your heart and that he might grow lessons in us that we have yet to learn in our lives because he loves us so much. Again, I just want you to look at this and say, if it happened to David, likely it's gonna happen to you and me, okay? Okay? Just a tangent, but a fun tangent, isn't it? An important tangent, uh, a beautiful tangent. Sometimes I love tangents. Now let's leave the tangent and let's get back to our text now. I want you to see these things as well, okay? The truth that is easily missed here is this, the grace of God upon the life of Saul. Can you see the grace of God in verses one and two on Saul's life that was completely taken for granted, okay? Let's recap. Saul is obsessed with killing God's servant, God's king, which is David. Saul is interrupted in his mission for murder by the attack of the Philistines. Saul then leaves. He, we have to assume, he leaves and leads God's people to victory, not because of him, but because of the grace of God upon his life. After Saul gets victory over the Philistines, what he does next, is he resumes his murderous rampage upon God's man, God's servant, and God's future king. Now, can you see the problem here? 
the grace of God upon the life of Saul and his leadership, trying to kill God's man, leaves, defends his nation by the grace of God, wins a victory, and instead of being broken and humbled by the grace of God upon his own life and his own leadership, he then resumes his own personal, selfish, vindictive uh, agenda to try to kill David, totally disregarding all the blessing and the grace that he had just received by God himself. Loved ones, that's a sign of a heart that is so utterly hard. That is a sign of a heart that has no gratitude whatsoever. And I commend to you today, you watch out that you do not have a Saul-like heart because a Saul-like heart is so hardened to the reality of God's grace upon your own life and you just begin to attack the blessing of others around you. See, this is why gratitude should fill us. This is why gratitude should overwhelm us. This is why thanksgiving in scripture is commanded again and again. Never take for granted the God-given blessing that you have received and instead you focus on what others have that you don't. So when, watch out, watch out. When you are tempted with jealousy and envy. Here's a good question. How, how much of your time is spent on thinking what others have or who others are or uh, what others are doing? How much of your time is spent ignoring the grace of God upon your own life? And you're just concentrating on the blessing of, of other people that you wish you had. See, that's a sign your heart's in a bad place, okay? Um, that's a sign your heart is going towards where Saul was. And remember, this, this literally ended up killing Saul. And in many ways, it will kill us too spiritually, if not other ways. Watch out for that, man. Just again, we start with the recognition of how blessed we are by the grace of Jesus Christ. If you have the reality of the gospel living within you, you have everything you could ever want and need. There is nothing else. The inheritance of Jesus Christ is, is the riches of glory. And the more we see that, the more we don't need other things that other people have. But see, Saul was messed up, man. He was messed up. Are we messed up today? God help us to not be messed up in this way. Now let's switch to David's perspective. Look again at verse two. Verse two, it says, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats rocks. Okay, so this is where I want us to see integrity is a battle. It's a battle. At times, we've been tough on David, but today, man, he gets a ton of grace from me. Let's just summarize David's life. He was a nobody. He was a teenage shepherd. He's then anointed as king by Samuel. He's then thrust into immense fame by defeating Goliath. He then goes to live in the palace. He is playing music for the king. He is then hated for no wrongdoing of his own. He has spears thrown at him. He then runs for his life and his greatest crime was integrity before the Lord. Ever since, he has been relentlessly chased, hiding in caves, running for his life and clinging to his God. Now David has men around him. People have joined him. But here comes Saul again, seeking to put a sword through David's heart. And Saul is not by himself. Saul, it says in the text, has 3,000 chosen men seeking to take down this one man, David. David has experienced escape after escape. Now he's threatened again. Okay, just put yourselves in the shoes or the sandals of David how exhausted are you? Every day you're waking up and here comes 3,000 men, chosen men now, to hunt me down and kill me. David's whole life is one massive battle. 
Every day here, trying to do what's right, trying to honor the Lord, wrestling before God, sitting down, writing psalms of incredible beauty and strength in the midst of his difficulty. Loved ones, I want you to see David's life was not easy. David's life was a battle every day he lived for the integrity and the purity before his God. Every true Christian here right now, every genuine Christian knows something of this to be true. Life in Christ is promised to be an ongoing battle. Yeah, we may not have 3,000 men hunting us down today. Thank you, Lord, for that. But each of us in some way or another, as we live our lives in Jesus Christ, we understand it is a fight. It is a battle. We don't have 3,000 men hunting us down. We do have Acts chapter 14, which says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we also have the scriptures that say over and over again in different ways, all those who desire to be godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We also know when Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, if you're really gonna follow him, you will be on the narrow road, which its way, the Bible says, is hard. And that's why few find it. Loved ones, we must understand if we're really gonna go for integrity, we must know it's gonna be a relentless battle. It just is. A part of me, I don't even like saying that because I don't want it to be true. But man, my life, I just know it to be true. You know, in my life, the, the trials that come in and then you just, I find myself asking, Lord, can I have a new trial, please? <laughs> and, and I find he does grant that. Like I find like, like the trials change. Like this is David, he has one trial and then he gets a bit of respite from that and rest and some grace, but then he wakes up and there's a new trial. Lord, can I have a new trial? And he's like, I'll give you a new trial. He gives you rest. And there's some, you know, there's always grace upon you, but then, and then a new trial enters in. It's just, it's, just, it's just the reality of our life before the Lord as long as Christ has yet to return. Remember, we like to say around here, align your expectations with what the Bible actually teaches. So when the reality of the Christian life unfolds before you, you won't be surprised. Hey, this is very important. Okay, look right here, look right here, look right here. Ready, ready, ready? If you want the easy life, you don't want the Christian faith. If you want ease, comfort, smooth sailing every day of your life, you don't want the Christian faith explained in the word of God. You simply want a different faith. So you gotta reconcile that. Do you really want the ways of Christ? Because if you want the ways of Christ, you're not asking for the easy road and you're not asking for the wide road. You have committed yourself by faith to say, cost for Christ is worth it because I'm not living for what is really now. I'm living for what will be. David understood this, man. It was tough on David. Remember, remember, some of the greatest Psalms were written through David's hardest times. And that's why we resonate with them so much because we see ourselves in them and we're so thankful that there's situations that we can relate to in difficulty and in our anguish, but there's hope and faith and love through all of that. This is how God works some of his greatest things within our lives. It's gonna be a battle, loved ones. It's gonna be a battle. Number two is this, integrity, integrity, a resolve for God's word or a resolve for God's way, <clears throat> a resolve for God's way. Look at verse three, it says this. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. And David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Amazing. And the men of David said to him, here's the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid 
that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went um, on his way. Now, what a scene this becomes. Saul had to answer the call of nature. And because this was a private thing, Saul goes into the cave and his men obviously stay outside the cave waiting for Saul. But Saul happens to stroll into the very cave, and these could be very large caves, obviously, that David and his men are hiding within. Notice in verse three, it says that David is in the innermost parts of the cave. These are one of these caves when you first walk, it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. But if you're in the cave for a while and your eyes get a bit adjusted and you're looking out towards the light of the cave, then you can make things out and you can see more clearly. And so here's this incredible situation that David's men, they see Saul come in and they're like, David, this is it, man, this is it. This is God giving Saul. He's trying to kill you. Kill him. Kill him. This is your lucky day, man. God's grace is upon you. Take the opportunity and kill Saul. Now, now, what are the lessons we learned? They're very important lessons right here for the mature Christian life. From a human perspective, we would all agree with David's men. From a human perspective, like, wow, this is awesome. Here's Saul by himself. Strike him down and all your problems are solved, David but this would not be the way of the Lord for David, although everything in the circumstance seemed to shout that it was. This is what happens in our life sometimes when we let circumstances speak greater volumes than God's word. And we look at the situations of life and we say, well, it must be this way, even though God's word says something different. And David's men wanted him. I get it. I get it though. It kind of makes sense. But this is when we often will say phrases like this. Well, the Lord led me to do that. Well, that was the Lord. The Lord led me to do that. Really? Even though it's contrary to what God says in his word? Do you think God would say something different than what he says in his word? Really? Are you sure about that? Oh yeah, man. Because look, look, let's just, just look, look, look at the situation. There's no question what God wants here. I love what Charles Swindle says. We got to watch out for our rationalization. Chuck Swindle says this, the Lord gets blamed for all sorts of things he has nothing to do with. Isn't that so true? What happens sometimes is we make decisions because we want things to happen in the way that we want them to happen. We make decisions and we slap the God sticker on it and say, see, it's the Lord. Are you sure? Are you sure? It's a really powerful insight here into what David is really up against. Now, Saul has been incessantly trying to murder David. So again, killing Saul seemed to be agreeable. But David knew the commandment of the Lord that said, thou shalt not kill especially kill the anointed king of God. One of the things I love here is the integrity of David through his honoring of Saul. I just love it. It's just such an example of, not because Saul deserved it, because David just has such a fear of the Lord and then an honor of those who were above him. What the text tells us in verse four, notice it says, so David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So if you're like me, you're reading the story. Okay, so Saul goes in the cave, he's relieving himself, and there's David and his men, and David sneaks up behind him and cuts a corner off his robe. You're just like, <laughs> how does that happen? I mean, how did he do that without being noticed? Well, the Bible tells us David's got stealth, man. He's, 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 he, David is the original Mission Impossible, you know? <laughs> he goes in, and you know what I get insight from this? Insight for me is in chapter 26, when, when Saul attacking David again, 
And David and his men, they go and they sneak in the midst of the army and it says, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon uh, the army. So he's able to go in and steal Saul's uh, spear and to walk out and then call to Saul again. If God wants David to be able to cut off a piece of his robe and not get caught, uh, he's gonna allow David to do that. And so this is what's happening. But notice the integrity and the conviction of David. Notice it says, as soon as he cut off the corner of his robe, it says, David's heart struck him. I I love the conscience of David. This is where we say, well, what's the big deal? Uh, Who cares? This is a corner of the robe. Why why can't we just relax about this? Well, here's the lesson of integrity here. This is when integrity says and lives. It's this, if it matters to God, it matters to me. Well, certainly with a message like we have heard today from God's word, there's bound to be some good, solid conviction. But with conviction, we hope that you also see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ available to you today for those of you who would turn from your sin and find Jesus Christ and his forgiveness again today. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We recognize that here at Live in the Light. And listen, if God's been changing you and growing you or even challenging you particularly today, and you'd like a copy of today's message to let that soak a little more, we'd encourage you to visit us online at liveinthelight.ca, liveinthelight.ca. And hey, while you're there, why not drop a comment and let us know how we can be praying for you. That's liveinthelight.ca. Or you can visit us through our phone number at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-54448. Well, that's all for today here at Live in the Light. We hope to see you next time. And God bless.